Yet another Babylon Bee headline has come true, and this one actually came true before they even published the headline. The Babylon Bee, they had this headline, mocking headline of President Biden that that was ready to publish, and then it came true before they even published it. We will get to that in just a moment. Congratulations, we finally have a House Speaker. The Republicans have pulled off the impossible. They have pulled off a miracle. And now the big question is, who is he? Who is Mike Johnson? Have Most people have never even heard. You talk about Mitch McConnell saying that he's not, he's not an expert on the House. I wonder if Mitch McConnell's ever heard of Mike Johnson, but most voters have never heard of Mike Johnson. I'm not convinced everybody in the House has heard of him. So Mike Johnson is a Trump-supporting, election-denying MAGA Republican who wants to ban abortion across the board. He wants to cut spending. This is better news than I'm going to get you. give you a lot of details. Mike Johnson is extremely conservative, an extremely conservative voting record in the House, 92 percentile rating by conservative groups. Uh, he's a, a real MAGA Trump-supporting Republican. He's an election denier. This is literally better than anything we could have possibly imagined. All the details coming up. Yet another Babylon Bee headline. You can't make this stuff up. Uh, the headline, here's a quote. Here is the actual headline from the Babylon Bee. Quote, in response to rising hate crimes against Jews, Democrats denounce Islamophobia. This is before the whole fiasco we told you about where Karim Jean-Pierre, and we're going to get into this a little bit. Karim Jean-Pierre, of course, was asked about rising anti-Semitism, dodged the question, ignored the question. We played you the clip and just went on a rant about Islamophobia. Biden's been tweeting about it nonstop. It's been going on and on. Karim Jean-Pierre now has clarified why she avoided the question, got into Islamophobia. We'll get to her clarification coming up. But here's what's amazing. Before that happened, before that happened, the Babylon Bee was ready to publish a headline in response to rising hate crimes against Jews. Democrats denounced Islamophobia and they got it right once again with their satire, which actually came true. It's like it's it's a joke. It's supposed to be a joke. It's supposed to be satire. And that's exactly what happened in response to, to questions about rising anti-Semitism. The Biden White House and KJP, they keep talking about Islamophobia, Islamophobia and equating it. And it, it, it's literally that was the satire. And that's exactly what happened. The White House like gets its talking points directly from the Babylon Bee. All right. So like I said, we're going to give you the lowdown on Mike Johnson. Here's how you know. Here's the litmus test. How do you know that Mike Johnson was a great choice by the Republicans? Because the left is having a meltdown. The media is going berserk. The left is going berserk. There's your litmus test. And by the way, what does this prove? The fact that they picked somebody who's literally more conservative than Steve Scalise. Uh, and they, they, they didn't vote for Steve Scalise. They voted for and they didn't vote for Jim Jordan. And yet they voted for Mike Johnson, who, if he's not every bit as conservative as Jim Jordan, he's right there. So what this shows you is it's not about politics. It's not about principles. It's really all about ego. So they picked somebody who's more conservative than probably Tom Emmer, than Steve Scalise. And there were moderates who said, oh, Steve Scalise, he's too far right. But those moderates voted for Mike Johnson. Why is that? Because they get along with him, because he embraces them. He's somebody who's and maybe that's what you need. Maybe you need a unifier. I get that. But and he's somebody that kind of stayed on everybody's good side. But now just wait. Let's see what actually happens now that he's actually the speaker. But they don't vote based on conscience. They don't vote based on principle or on their values nearly as much as they vote on ego. And it's all about them. Sorry to be so cynical, but that's. To me, the only explanation, Matt Gates called him MAGA Mike Johnson on a podcast this week. And, and a caller said to me, who is this Mike Johnson? Is he somebody that would shut down the government? I'm going to give you his record. We have no idea how it's all going to play out. 
We only can go by his track record, and track record can be deceiving, because remember Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan was supposed to be one of the staunchest, strongest conservatives uh, in Congress, and of course he became House Speaker, and then he totally caved, and he was not supportive of Trump, and you know, he kind of sold out, let's be honest, with, about Paul Ryan. So once they become, in, you know, get get a lot of power, and they need to kind of keep everyone happy and they're under the media microscope, we've seen many times that suddenly their principles go out the window. I'm not saying that's going to happen. What I'm saying is past performance, like they say on the commercials, past performance is not a guarantee of future results. All right, welcome to the Yaakov M. Show on the VIN News Podcast, VIN News, Yeshiva International, Nucky Radio, other podcasting platforms. Send us an email, josh at vinnews.com, josh at vinnews.com. You voted, you asked, we listened, we're delivering here. Uh, I, you know, the, the, the overwhelming majority of people who weighed in, of listeners, said they want more shows, more frequent shows, even if they are shorter. They'd rather have more shows, more frequently, shorter shows, as opposed to longer shows, but once or twice a week. So that definitely is the consensus, except for one caller. One caller, somebody I've actually gotten to know pretty well, and he says, listen, he says, of course I want shows more frequently. He says, but here's what I'm worried. If I vote for that and you decide you're going to do the three or four shows a week versus the one or two, Yaakov, it's not going to happen. I know it's going to you're going to plan to do it. You're going to do shorter shows, but they're not going to be as frequent. So it's going to be shorter and it's going to be with the same frequency of just one or two a week. And why? He wasn't saying it as a knocker to insult me. He was just saying he knows that's what's happened in the past when I've said, all right, listen, we, we're, we're, we're turning over a new leaf. All right, we are changing from here on in. Well, I'll, I'll like have these lofty ambitions of how from here on in, we're going to do it more consistently. We're going to do it a bunch of times a week. And then it doesn't actually come to fruition. And, you know, a lot of people are like that to some degree. It's something we need to work on. But that, that's what he said. Uh, you know, and, and I understand his point. So he said, yeah, in theory, I would like this, but it's actually going to backfire. Great point. But that having been said, I'm going to try to weave it in here where maybe we sprinkle in an extra show or two a week that's 10 or 12 or 15 minutes. And uh, the point is, I'm aiming for three a week. OK, we're going to aim for three a week, long, short. I'm not exactly sure. We are going to try to, of course, jump from topic to topic as usual, not spend too much time getting in the weeds. Democrat Congressman Jamal Bauman of New York. This is Incredible. He has been charged with a misdemeanor because of when he pulled that fire alarm in Congress trying to delay that last minute vote, uh, which would which would have prevented and which did prevent the government shutdown. You can't make this up. It's it's totally egregious. Jamal Bauman. Um, remember what happened when Kevin McCarthy was still speaker? That's why he lost the speakership because of this vote. And Kevin McCarthy, he finally cut a deal with the Democrats and they had this last minute. It was literally down to the wire. It was like a few hours left before the government was supposed to shut down and they were racing to do this vote. They finally cut, cut a deal. And what happened? Jamal Bauman, Democrat Congressman Jamal Bauman, he decided to pull a fire alarm and evacuate, literally evacuated Congress. They evacuated the Capitol, the building, because he pulled his fire alarm. They thought that there was a fire and there was actually no fire. And what he was trying to do is he was trying to delay the vote so that they could not prevent the shutdown so that the government would shut down. And it's incredible that last minute stopgap measure. Somehow they were able to still get the vote in. But thanks to Jamal Bauman pulling that fire alarm. I mean, it, it is beyond beyond. It's reprehensible what he did. Imagine if that were Trump. OK, imagine if Trump and Trump did far less than that and people got outraged. But imagine if Trump wanted to delay a vote and he pulled a fire alarm and that caused a building to be evacuated. Not, not to mention, put aside the fact that it's dangerous. People lives are at stake. People could get hurt. You know, people are racing out of the building. Who knows what could happen? But putting that aside, 
they would be bl- blasting Trump. I mean, Trump Trump would be decimated. He would get slammed so much. But the Democrats get away with this. He's been hit with a misdemeanor, a misdemeanor. But the incredible thing is he claimed Jamal Bauman. Then he lied about it. And he said, oh, well, I thought that if I pulled the fire alarm, that would open the door. The doors were locked. He, he says he was trying to get out of the building. And the fire alarm doors, right by these doors that go out, and oh, I thought that the doors were locked, and or they were locked, and I thought if I pull the fire alarm, that's going to open up the door. Hmm. So let's see here. How many of us have fallen into that trap? Let's see. How do I get the doors are locked? How do I get them open? I suppose I could try a key. No, let me pull the fire alarm system and 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 have a, a fire alarm blare right when they're about to do a major, major, urgent vote. In Congress, I mean, isn't that how everybody opens up locked doors by pulling fire alarms? By the way, I'm not sure which is worse. Which is worse, if he actually pulled the alarm intentionally in order to prevent the vote, or if his IQ is so low that he actually thought that a fire alarm is a replacement for a key? I mean, you can't make this. You talk about Babylon B. This man literally pulled a fire alarm to try to prevent a vote from happening in Congress and then lied about it and said, that's not how you open the door. Pulling the fire alarm is not how you, how do people in your house, in my house, when I want to get out the front door, I pull the fire alarm, the whole, the whole, the, the, the fire, the fire department comes. The whole block gets scared when I, every time I want to leave my house in the morning to go get some breakfast. It's unbelievable. I don't know. I literally don't know, which is, I almost prefer that he was doing it for the reason that he was in the sense of it's less embarrassing, but his lie has been debunked as, as though anybody believed it for even a second, but his lie has been debunked because now there's surveillance video that just surfaced because they had this court case. They've charged him with a misdemeanor. Of course, he was charged with a misdemeanor. If this were Trump or any Republican, they would uh, be slapping him with all sorts of felonies, uh, you know, they're endangering the public or whatever. They'd come up with something, believe me. But, um, you know, some kind of Russia collusion deal. But uh, but here's what happened is there's actually surveillance video that just surfaced now that Jamal Bauman, he ripped off. You see him literally in the video ripping off two signs on the door. The, the signs say emergency exit. So before he pulls the fire alarm, he wants to pretend that he's innocent and doesn't know what he's doing. So he pulls off the signs and he get and he disposes of them or takes them with him. These two signs that say emergency exit on the door before he pulled the alarm. And what's amazing is doesn't he know that he's on camera and that this video might surface? And I guess he figured that whoever deleted the video of the cocaine being put down in the White House will probably delete this video, too. All right. So uh, we've told you again, Biden the, shifting the narrative, pivoting. It's no longer about anti-Semitism. It's about hatred against Muslims. It's about hatred against all groups. It's about Islamophobia. And the reason it's particularly egregious is because radical Islamists are the ones who perpetrated, of course, the horrific attack on so here's what happened this week. Number one, Biden, he tweeted randomly about Islamophobia and about hate and did not mention Jews, did not mention Jews, did not mention anti-Semitism. He only mentioned Islamophobia. Then he put and of course, that was the same day, Karine Jean-Pierre asked a question about anti-Semitism, said there's no credible threat, and then ranted about Islamophobia. We played you that clip last time. Biden then put out another tweet, whoever's running the Biden account, and Ben Shapiro even made the point. I read you Ben Shapiro's tweet in response, but Biden put out a tweet, quote, we must without equivocation denounce anti-Semitism without, we must without equivocation denounce Islamophobia. So he's equating the two. You're seeing this again and again, and it's a strategy. Why are they doing this? Two reasons. But we, we, we must, I'm going to read you this quote, this, this tweet again from Biden. We must without equivocation denounce anti-Semitism. We must without equivocation denounce Islamophobia. I guess he put, he at least put anti-Semitism first. It's alphabetically first. I don't know. Ben Shapiro wrote back. So the two reasons are, why are they doing this? Number one, because they're trying to pander to their, to the far left. They're trying to pander to the uh, Ocasio crowd, to the squad crowd, to Ilan Omar supporters, Rashida Tlaib supporters. There are many. There's a significant 
uh, chunk of the Democrat Party that is either pro-Hamas or pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel, and Biden has been alienating them, has been ignoring them. So he needs to keep pounding away Islamophobia, hatred against Muslims. That's number one. Number two is Ben Shapiro's point. Quote, they won't stop linking anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. That is an attempt to redirect away from the fact that anti-Semitism is predominantly coming from radical Muslims and their allies. So it's coming from the left. Anti-Semitism is coming from the left. And Biden is trying to gaslight us and pretend to manipulate and pretend it's not true. Meanwhile, Korean Jean-Pierre provided a statement to Politico saying that she misheard the question. When when she got slammed for responding to anti-Semitism by talking about Islam, I misheard the question. That's literally what she said. She misheard the question. Unbelievable how they can always manage to mishear the question whenever it's convenient, right? So you have Biden being asked last week, are you pressuring Israel to delay a ground invasion? Essentially, that's what he was asked. And he said yes. But he misheard the question, which in Biden's case, it's slightly more believable. She's the press secretary and she's not 80. And uh, she said that she misheard this question about anti-Semitism. But then she said there's no credible threat. So, like, what exactly did she think the question? She knew it wasn't a question about Islamophobia. Uh, and then Karine Jean-Pierre, the next day, opened her press briefing by forcefully condemning anti-Semitism. And then, again, she linked it to Islamophobia. Listen to this. She put out, she, she started the press briefing like this, quote, When Jews are targeted because of their beliefs or identity, when Israel is singled out because of anti-Jewish hatred, that's anti-Semitism. That is unacceptable. There's no place for anti-Semitism. Full stop, period. This is important to the president. I'm all quoting here. It's important to me personally and to everyone in the administration, end quote. So she goes and she condemns anti-Semitism. Good. And she was very strong. And then, once again, quote, Follow, following the Hamas terror attacks in Israel, which were the deadliest for Jews since the Holocaust, the president has been consistent and clear we must do all do our part and forcefully speak out against anti-Semitism. And we must ensure there is no place for hate in America, not against Jews, not against Muslims, not against Arab Americans, not against Palestinian Americans, not against anyone. So Jews, Muslims, Arab Americans, Palestinian Americans, that is the quote directly after anti-Semitism. And here's the thing. Remember, in, right before that, what did she say? She said, there is no place for anti-Semitism, full stop, period. Full stop, period. Usually full stop, period, means that you're coming to a full stop. And that period means at the end of the sentence. Karine Jean-Pierre, she doesn't know grammar. She doesn't know a lot about grammar. So she thought, oh, well, there's a period in the sentence. Doesn't that mean that I'm supposed to keep going? Because then she started talking about Palestinian Americans and Muslims and Arab Americans. And it's it's just disgraceful. It's disgraceful because, again, trying to literally twist the whole picture around here as though radical Islam was not responsible for the attack. All right, so Mike Johnson... Uh, the media is just having a meltdown over here. I, I, you got to love it. So NPR, said, I'm going to quote you from NPR here, quote, many Democrats are concerned with his rec- record on restricting access to abortions and are not confident in his ability to work across party lines. That is wonderful. I love seeing that. NPR quotes a Democrat here, Dan Beyer, Dan Bayer from uh, Virginia, who said, quote, Johnson is one of the biggest anti-choice extremists in Congress, wants to ban all abortions without exception to the point of criminalization with prison sentences. I love it. First of all, anti-choice, okay? This man can't bring himself to say that Johnson, Mike Johnson is pro-life, so instead he says he's anti-choice, and he wants to ban all abortions. This is music to my ears. And uh, he did tweet that in his home state of Virginia, he wants to get the number of abortions to zero. He tweeted that earlier this year. He's an election denier. I mean, this is the perfect resume. I, this is a dream come true. And like this was, you know, when I said Jim Jordan yeah, and Mike Johnson was totally not on my radar or anybody's radar, I don't think for that matter. But it's if we could have like manufactured the perfect speaker of the House, this would be it. Now, would he be willing to shut down the government as the caller asked? 
I think so. But again, once they're in the spotlight and once they're going to get blamed and slammed and just, be, you know, the media is going to just totally torment them and ruin their lives. And suddenly it's like, well, should I shut down the government? Oh, I'm going to be the most hated, detested man in America. Not because he deserves to be, but because the media makes it happen and colludes with the Democrats. So I, I can't say. I don't know. Like, I don't have faith in anyone to shut down the government other than Trump, who did it and unabashedly did it for like 30 something days to get his wall. So who knows? But but he's got the perfect resume, an election denier. He's very opposed to indoctrinating students with immorality. Um, let me read you a quote from NPR, quote, Johnson is a staunch election denier who voted against certifying the 2020 election results. He voted against certifying the results. He served on the team that defended Trump in his first impeachment inquiry. He supported a lawsuit to overturn the results of the 2020 election in four swing states. And he made a really so he literally was one of the congressmen who voted to decertify the 2020 election results and to keep Trump in, in, in as president, or at least to not certify Biden's victory. It's just amazing. This is like, we couldn't have scripted it any better. And I don't know what's more fun, having somebody like this in charge or, or the fact that the media and the Democrats are just livid and are just, they're just in a total tailspin. They don't know what to do with themselves, wishing that they had never voted out McCarthy, right? So here's what's interesting. He actually came out with a constitutional argument. He was very into... Um, overturning the election results and doing whatever needed to be done to guarantee a fair election in 2020. And he said this argument, I didn't see anybody really saying this argument. The, you know, Giuliani and all the other people, Sidney Powell, all the people who are uh, talking about the election fraud, uh, just trying to completely nullify, trying to make the election results in 2020 null and void and neutralize them. Here was his argument. And I said this at the time, and it's so obvious to me, but nobody else seemed to say it. He said that because the states changed their voting procedure during the pandemic, those changes are unconstitutional because you need to have a starting point. You can't just make some arbitrary change, change to the election process and say, all right, the election's fair. And you just you made a massive change that made the election unfair. No, it's fair. The, it, it, the, the presumption is not fair until you prove it's fair. Like you could otherwise you could just manipulate the process, come up with whatever process you want and say, well, Prove that, you know, prove that the election results were fair. You you need to prove that you're overturning the election. No, the burden of proof is on the guy who totally changed the system to a system that we have never seen before in our lifetimes and that the Constitution really never, uh, n- never accepted. The Constitution never endorsed. All right. So he has a lifetime. Johnson has a lifetime voting record of 92 percent from the American Conservative Union, 90 percent from the Her- Heritage Action Group. Um, in uh, Johnson, in the last two years, he voted against a slew of bipartisan bills. He voted against a bill to establish a January 6th independent commission. All right, that's not such a shock. He voted against the infrastructure bill, the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Uh, he, I believe he voted against the Inflation Reduction Act that, that, that increased inflation. Is that the infrastructure bill? I mean, it's the same bill. He voted against um, a modest, what they call a modest new gun law. Again, I'm reading from the mainstream media here. A modest new gun law. He voted against a gun law. Uh, you remember that gun law that Biden passed, which that, that gun law really was really just smoke and mirrors. That gun law was really just so that the Democrats could say they did something about gun control and they did nothing. He voted in favor of raising the debt limit, which was negotiated by McCarthy, of course. But then he voted against the stopgap bill to avoid the government shutdown, which is ultimately what led to McCarthy's downfall. And um, Johnson was among the 93 Republicans who voted for an amendment by Congressman Matt Gates to cut off military funding for Ukraine. He has, as I said, a spotless history of voting against legal abortion, got an A-plus from the Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, uh, and he voted against 
uh, bipartisan legislation to codify same-gender marriage, which Biden signed into law last year. And by the way, one of the points, and then we'll stop, he's not so experienced. He has very little, relatively little experience in Congress. He doesn't have no experience, but he's been in Congress for seven years, much less than virtually any speaker in modern history. So they're actually, the media is trying to say that this is a negative. I think this is a huge positive. He, he has less than seven years under his belt as a congressman. So Johnson has a shorter length of service in the House than modern modern day past speakers, past speakers in modern history. McCarthy was in the House for 16 years. Pelosi was in the House for, since like Thomas Jefferson. She was in the House for 20 years. Paul Ryan served 16 years and John Boehner 20 years. So to have a congressman with only seven, only seven years of experience, I think that's a great thing. The, the less you've been in Congress, the less you've been immersed and steeped in the swamp dwellers. So you're not an establishment person. You haven't been totally brainwashed and just lost any sense of normalcy and reason like these other people. So in other words, Pelosi, McCarthy, look what their experience did for them. What it did was they were totally out of touch with reality. It was all about keeping their position. It was all about the rules, the rules of Congress, the rules of the swamp. It's a totally different set of rules than all of us human beings live by. So maybe, maybe since it's only been seven years, maybe Mike Johnson actually has a chance. Maybe he hasn't been sucked into the dark side and become a card-carrying swamp dweller. So to me, the less time you're in the house, the better. All right, we have other stuff, but we'll have to wait till next time. James Comer, he has debunked James Biden. James Biden has an excuse and explanation why he gave his brother Joe Biden a $200,000 check in 2018. On the same day that he got a $200,000 check from a company that was failing, he then turned a $200,000 check over to his brother Joe. But he says that those two things are totally unrelated. James Comer says that that's absurd. That's going to have to wait till next time. That's going to do it for today, and we will see you next time.